like I said uh, earlier, um, went to Mexico yesterday. And uh, for those of you who don't know, just in case you don't know, we're getting ready to open up a home. It's a refuge home in Rosarito for children, for girls that are caught up in sexual slavery. These are young girls uh, raging in different ages. And believe it or not, some of these little girls uh, are sold even as young as three years old. Um, but God has opened up a door for us to be able to open up a home so that we can reach them. And, you know, I had a study prepared out of Peter, but the Lord really spoke to me. He actually showed me some things yesterday in which he kind of changed things around. And uh, I'm going to share this with you, and I pray that God would use it in your life, that you would never be the same. But I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of the things that I'm sharing, I'm sharing to myself. Because I really believe that we're living in the last days. And I really believe that most of the church doesn't believe. I really believe that most of the church has a saving faith. They believe in the cross. But most of the church does not have a faith that will take the power of God and bring it to planet Earth in order that it would be planted in the hearts of the people. And that's what this study is about. And I, you know, I'm weird. You guys already know that. Yesterday when the guys were doing the construction, you know, I'm just not good at that. They are so good at that. What they're doing is amazing. You guys, if I could just say this, I don't want to sound worldly or anything, but man, we should be so proud of these guys that are going down there and sweating and working so hard. And then so many of the people in the ministry here that have caught the vision, that are working hard, that are, are serving and studying and praying and, and God is using. We, we are so blessed with so many beautiful people. But as they were there doing their thing, I knew that if I got there, I would just kind of get in the way and I would kind of impede the progress. And so, you know, I had the blessing of being able to go up into an office there and just study for today. And I just typed uh, some things out. A lot of the things I'm going to share with you are things that, you know, expose my weirdness. I don't know why it is I like to rhyme. I don't know why that is, man. I try not to, and it just kind of happens, man. And anyways, I'm typing these things out. And so I want to just read it to you and bear with me. You know, God showed me a long time ago, you know, I'm supposed to have the character of Christ, but he made me who I am, and I'm sorry, you know. But let me just read this to you, what the Lord laid on my heart uh, this morning. It says this, I, I hesitate to tell you where I went yesterday, but I have to. Part of me wishes I had never gone, but it's too late. I went and I saw. And I'll never be the same. At first I wondered, Lord, was that your will for me to go to see that place, those people? Was that your will? But the question immediately collapsed. For I know it was his will for me to go, for him to show, for me to know, for us to grow. And I will never be the same. It's not a place for all to see and all to be. But I do believe yesterday in that place and time, it was the place for me. They call it the red zone. It's blocks and blocks and blocks of lovely girls. 
from God's perspective, little girls in misery, in slavery, sex for sale, souls for sale, offering themselves if there's anything left to give. They raged an age from 5 to 55. I hesitate to tell you where I went yesterday, but I have to. I went to the gates of hell. The gates of hell on earth. And tragically, there are many gates of hell like this, although we find there are gates of different kinds. There's that gate of child slavery. There's that gate of online pornography. There's crystal meth. There's war. There's death. There's pain and sorrow. So many who have no hope tomorrow. Get drunk. Get high. Get lost. Get by. No mom. No dad for that little lad. And gate after gate after gate. I hate so many straps. So many traps. So many maimed. So many chains. And so I asked the Lord, well, what does this mean? And why have I seen? It must be too late because they're at the gate. It's far, it's far, it's far too far for me. And so I think I'll let it be. And just pretend I didn't see. What would you do if you saw child slavery? And not just, you know, working, but sexually working. I'm afraid that many of us here would do nothing. I've got my life to live and this is what I give, this and only this. And that's not on my list. My life is full. I don't feel that those things fall within my call. After all, God will take care of it. And I just really want to encourage you today, man. We've got to wake up. We need to be so careful. And again, don't get me wrong. I know for sure we're not all called to be in and to see in the red zone. And I know that we're not all called to go down to Rosarito and do construction on the home that will house girls rescued from that life and death. I understand that. But I do believe that we are all called to the gates of hell. I do believe that we are all called to be a part of the long arms of the Lord to reach out and to pull people out of the deepest pit wherein they sit. But I also believe that most of the church is not obedient. That most of the church is sleeping in the last day. You see, the Bible says that Jesus said he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail. And if I'm with Jesus, then I will be at the gates of hell. I'm here to say today that somehow and in some way we are all part of the arms of the Lord. And we need God to open our eyes. You know, it's one thing to read about it in a book. It's another thing to see it in a movie. It's another thing even to hear it from someone. But when God shows you with your own eyes, how can I pretend that I didn't see? 
And yesterday when I went and I saw these blocks and blocks of little girls and moms that are taking their girls and offering them to men, I came back and I was just so devastated. And I thought, Lord, there's nothing I can do. And there isn't anything I can do apart from him. But God told me yesterday something I think that we need to be reminded of, that he is big. That he is a big God. And it really led me to the study today. You know, sometimes I think we think God is like, you know, this guy Jack and the box. You know, Jack in the box and... um, (laughs) You know, we need to take God and keep him in his little box. And this is how big he is. But we need to get God out of the box. You know, I remember learning from a great teacher who was a VeggieTale DVD that God is bigger than the boogeyman. Did you guys know that? It's a huge lesson. You learn it in Bible college, man. God is bigger than the boogeyman. God is bigger than any man. God is bigger than all of man entwined and combined. God is bigger than the devil. God is bigger than Satan and all his soldiers. God is bigger than all of creation and every nation. God is bigger than the stars and the space. And every place is just a speck of fine dust in comparison to our great God. And as we're living in the last days and as we're facing challenges out there and challenges in here, We need to remember how big our God is. You know, we need to remember a few things that the Lord laid on my heart to think bigger. We need to start thinking bigger, you know, and to believe better. We've got to start believing better and then acting braver. And as we think bigger and believe better and act braver, then God will use this church. It doesn't have to be a huge church. Whatever God wants to do, that's all up to him. But all it takes is one man who believes in God and they can change the world. You can ask David. You can ask Daniel. You can ask Peter. You can ask Paul. You can look at the likes of Martin Luther Amy Carmichael. And maybe, I hope you believe that maybe you're that man. Or maybe you're that woman. We need to think bigger. We need to take God out of the box. You know, there's a very primitive thought of God that often circulates the sanctuary that keeps him in the sanctuary. You know, we think that God only works within these walls and there's no way that God could change the malls. Oh, they're so bad. And they're beyond us. Are they? C.S. Lewis said, when you grow, God grows. And I think we need to grow and see how great our God is. Let me remind you of something, that God goes beyond the box, beyond these walls that we build. He goes beyond the earth and even beyond the heaven of heavens. That's what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, if you want to turn over to 1 Kings chapter 8, 
Remember when Solomon built this magnificent temple? And, you know, I know a lot of us here are thinking when we get in a building, when we get a building, that's when, you know, God's going to really begin to move, you know, and maybe, you know, that will be another chapter of our church and that would be a blessing if it's his will, but we don't have to wait for the building. God doesn't dwell in a building. Solomon was reminded of that when he prayed to the Lord here in 1 Kings chapter 8. It says right here in verse 27, But will in God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built. Solomon said, you know what? We know you're not confined to these walls. You're bigger than this. All the earth, it's a pretty big place. All the planets, our solar system, our universe, the heaven, the heavens of heavens, they can't contain God. Is that how big your God is? Isaiah said the same thing in chapter 66, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me and where is the place of my rest? I mean, God is bigger than I think the box that we put him in. And when you take God out of the box and behold his, his beauty, how great he is. How big is your God? Just out of curiosity. Is he big enough for the problems you face today? Is he big enough for the challenges you'll face tomorrow? Can he change you? Can he change your finances? Can he change that loved one? Is that situation too big for him? And he may not want to heal you. Are you okay with that? Is God big enough to just be with you through the hard times? How big is your God? I mean, we need to know that the heaven of heavens can't contain him. And that he's big enough. And if your God's not big enough for some reason, then you don't have the God of the Bible. I think we need to think big. Bigger than him, bigger than her, bigger than that, the biggest of all. And of course, this is not just, you know, size, you know, he's six foot two to 20. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not size, it's strength that we're talking about. That's what we're talking about because God is spirit. It's strength that we're talking about. It's primarily in reference to the strength of the Lord. And like it says in Jeremiah 32, 27, the Lord says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Question. I was talking to my son about uh, the book of Job on the way over here today, and he was telling me, Dad, why does God ask Job a whole bunch of questions? And I told him, well, because when God begins to ask questions, then he begins to make you think. He begins to make you think about things. And, you know, the question that we're asking today, behold, he says, look, I want you to contemplate this. Is there anything too hard for me? And the answer is no, huh? The red zone's not too big for him. Nothing's too big for him. If we believe. See, he's not just omnipresent, he's omnipotent. We need to think bigger. Secondly, we need to believe better. If you go over to Luke chapter 18, here's a... Another real common verse for us, I think that we often fail in this point because a lot of us here, when we take our theology tests, we do great on paper. Is God omnipotent? Yes. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No. But that's where it ends. And that's the problem today. 
Luke 18, look what it says there in the middle of verse 8. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? When Jesus comes, and he's coming soon, he can come any day, he might come right now. Will he find faith on the earth? Or maybe to make it more personal, is there really faith in your heart? And I'm not just talking about saving faith because, you know, we know we're talking about more than this. We know that the church will always exist. There will always be a remnant. There will always be believers that are saved. But what about believers that are sent? When the Son of Man comes and Jesus wants us to contemplate that question, will he really find faith on the earth? I mean, think about it for a second, you guys. Right now, the church is like dying in so many ways. I know God's doing a work, but man, it is getting watered down. It is compromising. The church today is so weak because they're functioning in their own strength. Why? If God is so big and we already looked at that, then why is there not bigger things taking place on planet Earth Is it just because man is so bad? Is that the only reason? You know, and I know that's what we think. Oh, things are so bad because man is so bad. That's why it's so bad. But that's not the only reason. That's part of the reason that the lost are oftentimes not open to the love of the Lord. We know that's part of the reason. But I really believe that another root reason is not the unbelief of the lost. It's the unbelief of the church. And God is calling us to, to believe. You see, God is all powerful, but oftentimes we're not pulling that power to our planet. We're not seeing his power in the people because we need to think bigger, number one, and we need to believe better, number two. A lot of you here, you're in wicked relationships. And God has told you loud and clear that that's wrong. But you don't have the faith to take him at his word. God will take care of you. God will, God will provide for you. See, it's about being obedient to the Lord in every area of our life, about totally surrendering, about totally trusting. We need to think bigger. We need to believe better. Am I stable in the truth that God is able? I mean, we read the statement earlier, God, God made to Jeremiah, implicating the fact that nothing's too hard for him. And that's what God said. Nothing's too hard for me. But then later, Jeremiah reiterated that to the Lord. And he said, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. And now Jeremiah says, there's nothing too hard for you. And so when I go down and I see these things that are taking place there and I see these girls and I come back and I think, man, there's this no way that the Lord just kind of, you know, he, he convicts me and he, you know, brings me to that place of repentance. Oh, that's right. God, you can You know, we're praying about going to Cambodia this summer. And I just pray some of you would step out and go if the Lord leads you. You know, and so I was thinking we shouldn't call it Cambodia. We're going to call it Canbodia. You know, God can do a work. And I haven't told Katie yet. I hope she's all right with that. But 
man, God is able. Some of you young guys here, some of you young gals here, man, you just have no idea how God wants to use your life to change the world. You know, the other day we had the youth study and I was telling them, listen, you're the next generation. We're passing the faith on to the next generation. And there's got to be that fire inside of you. Don't get caught up in this world. Don't get caught up in just that, you know, American dream. What about God's dream for you? Don't ever let that die. God wants to use your life. God wants to work in you. God wants to work through you. He's just looking for vessels. You know, it's one thing to know doctrinally that God is able. It's something we think. It's in our mind. It's another thing, however, to know that God works practically. And that begins to happen when we embrace this truth in our heart. And we not only think bigger, but we believe better. And you see, this is a difference right here. A lot of you here, we have the intellectual assent. I believe. But you don't really believe. You want to know how, know how I know? Because the lives aren't, aren't matching up. They're not matching up. Because when you believe and the faith is right, then the weak become strong, you see? That's what happens when there's faith. And then we begin to live what we learn. We don't just go to a Bible study. When we have faith that is healthy, there is peace no matter what the place. You could be whipped 12 o'clock midnight. It doesn't matter. You'll be singing praise songs to God. And there'll be an earthquake. You see, when we have genuine faith, we will walk on water. I promise you, we will move mountains. When we have faith the way that God wants us to, we will slay giants. We will rock the world. See, God will do a work. And I, and I know this. All people in the church, many of you here today, you are saved. You have exercised saving faith. But very few people in the church rarely exercise the faith that's necessary to change the world. And that's all I'm calling you to today. And it's not something that's so great about you or me or us. It's just something about the heart that acknowledges the fact that God is so big. And God is so beautiful. And God is so almighty. And God is so able. And I'll face the red zone. I'll face any zone. Because God is on our side. You know, Jesus said in Matthew thirteen fifty-eight that he didn't do many mighty works in his hometown. Why? Because of their unbelief. That's why. And I'm sorry to say, but I think that most of the church today, especially the Church of America, is made up of unbelievers. You're like, oh, that doesn't sound doctrinally correct. Well, like I said, you believe to get saved, but that's it. It ended there. And you're not growing. And God's not growing. And what God wants to do is use every single person here. He loves you so much. He'll bless your life if you fall in love with him. And if you believe in him. You know, we believe in what Jesus once did, but we don't believe in what Jesus can still do. 
We believe in Jesus' cross, but we don't believe in Jesus' companionship. You know, we believe that Jesus can take us out of Egypt for some reason. We don't believe he can take us into the promised land. We believe he can calm the storm generally, but we don't believe we can walk on water personally. And that's where we fall short. How do you know that, Manny? How can you say that, Manny? Well, part of the reason brings me to my last point, and that's over in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. As I just call us today to believe in God to change the world, to reach out like never before. That we need to think bigger, we need to believe better, and we need to act braver. That's the final point. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, as Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, he says there in verse 13, watch, stand fast in the faith. I like that. And then he says, be brave and be strong. And that's where we need to be. It's not just an act like an actor, but it's an act as in action. You know, and you might have a little fear, but it's okay. You face those fears. I think I've told you guys a story before about how when I was a a young guy, I forgot how old I was, maybe 13, 14 years old. I remember walking down the street with my friend Paul Siragusa. He was my best friend. We were blood brothers. We had a great relationship together. We grew up and got in trouble and did different things. But I remember one time we came up against a couple of guys that said they wanted to beat us up. And they were a little bigger than us. And you know what we did? We beat them up. No, I'm just joking. I wish I could say that. I wish I could say that. We backed down. We're like, oh, man, you know. And then I remember after it was all done, we we talked to each other and we said, listen, man, if that ever happens again, you know, blood brother, you know, let's fight. Even if we get beat up, that's okay, let's fight. And I don't know if that's good counsel, okay, (laughs) from a physical perspective, but from a spiritual perspective, it is. Stop backing down. Stop being afraid of the giants. Stop looking at the mountains and thinking they're too big. Stop getting on the water and getting your eyes off Jesus. God, help us to have the faith, not to name it and claim it, but to walk as strong Christians who believe in their God. The Bible says that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's if you want to please him. The Bible says that faith is the evidence of things not seen and the substance of things hoped for. And when you have faith, you see the invisible. When you have faith, you attain the impossible. But apart from faith, it ain't going to happen. And so we have to think bigger. We have to believe better. And then we have to act braver. And we have to go out and like David did when everyone else was sitting on the sidelines thinking Goliath is nine feet tall. There's no chance in the world. David just saw it totally the way that we should see it. He is a midget in God's sight. And so he fought. He ran to the battle. The stone sunk in his head. He went and got his sword. He cut it off. He killed him. And he carried around as a trophy for the glory of God. And Israel, the country, 
was never the same. And that's what we have to be. I know there are men, greater men here than me. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Men, rise up and be the man that God's called you to be. Women of God, rise up. And let's be what God's called us to be. Let's fight the giants, knowing that God is on our side. You know, Goliath will come out day after day, and he did there in Israel for 40 days. He came out every single day, and he defied the armies of the living God. And it'll just continue to happen, and it'll continue to happen, and it'll continue to happen until somebody sees what's going on and rises up to fight the giants. You know, and I don't know what giants you're going to fight, but we all have giants. Sometimes they're within, sometimes they're without, but one by one, they will fall. When we believe in God, You know, don't ever be done with the dreams of being used by God to change the world. Don't ever throw those dreams away. Don't ever be done with the dreams that God has to change you. Never, ever. Luke 8.50, it says, But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Do not be afraid, only believe. And that's just really what we need to have. Don't be afraid anymore. And we are afraid of so many different things. You know, I don't know about you guys, but when you watch the Olympics and you see the girls on the balance beam, you guys remember watching that? Doesn't your, you get so scared? You're like, oh my gosh, how could they do that? That thing's so small. And they do like, you know, 37 flips in the air like this and they are able to land on that thing again. Don't you? That's kind of like, oh man, you're so afraid for them. And And there you are now, you're on the balance beam. You're going to flip out? Are you going to flip? Are you going to, are you just going to kind of like, Lord, I'm playing it safe, man. I love you, Lord. I love you so much. You're so good to me. And you're like, it's so funny, you know, he's talking about the dreams of just dying in your sleep. How many of you want to die that way? Don't you want to die that way? (laughs) I don't want anything else to happen. You know, here we are, we're going to Mexico. People are calling me up. Don't go. You shouldn't go. You might die. And so I'm thinking, oh, you know what? It's okay. I don't mind dying. All men got to die. All men die, but not all men live, right? I'll die for the cause. But then there, you know, Shelly wants to go with me now. And I'm thinking, oh, that's when I kind of got a little afraid. And I was thinking, well, what about my kids? What if I die and then she dies too? And then there's a fear factor that comes in. But I prayed to the Lord. He gave me scriptures and God reminded me, listen, if you guys die, I'll take care of your kids. The safest place to be is in the center of God's will. And if I die... You know, it's not like I'm picking up snakes on purpose or drinking poison on purpose. I'm not. I'm trying to obey the Lord. And if I obey the Lord, he'll protect me when I'm in the center of his will. And when it's time to go home, sorry, but I'm not going to miss you that much, man. I'll be in the presence of God and the work will carry on. We're just not afraid. We're not afraid to die. You know, where I'm going to Magic Mountain and I'm going to have a great time on Tuesday. 
<laughs> I'm going on Acts 2, and if I die, I die, you know? <laughs> because when you serve the Lord, and when you really do what he wants you to do, it's fun. It really is. It's wonderful. It's a great adventure. And a lot of us here are having a boring Christianity. Why? Because you're just not following the Lord. You're not willing to take those risks. Get rid of every fear, but the fear of God. And get rid of every ear, except an ear for God. Don't follow men. Follow God. Guess what? God will speak to you. You're his son. You're his daughter. He will speak to you. And he will lead your life. Follow him. Think bigger. Believe better. Act braver. You know, in Deuteronomy 31.6, when the Lord was talking to Joshua, he said, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he's the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And God says it over and over again. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Be strong and of good courage. Why? Why, Lord? Because I am with you. Did you guys know that Jesus was forsaken so that you would never have to be forsaken? Did you guys know that Jesus was separated from the Father for a period of time so that when you became Christians, you would never be separated from his love? And when the Lord is with you, you've got nothing to be afraid of. And so the Lord said, make progress to Joshua. Take steps. And this is what happens in life. You know, a lot of times we're like this and our feet are nailed to the, to the ground. And we're like, okay, Lord, you know what? I heard what you said. And so what do you do? You take a step. You take a step. But then you know what happens? You stay there. You're like, well, I took the step. But you guys know how it works, right? I mean, when you started walking, didn't you learn that there would be like another step? And another step, and another step. There's always steps to take when you're following the Lord. And God honors steps of faith. That's how you bring the power to the planet and to the people. That's how you flip the light switch. It's steps of faith. Second Chronicles 32.7, Hezekiah said, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. Again, for there are more with us than with him. And I just really encourage you today that whatever it is that, that you're facing in life, whatever the Goliath is, whatever the giant is, whatever the mountain is, face it with faith. You know, when it comes to David, I love what one person said. David saw Goliath not as a giant too big to hit, but as a target too big to miss. I love that. You see how faith changes everything? It's so amazing what happens when courage and care and conviction collide within the heart of a Christian. They become David's. They become, I used to have a friend named David Lena. She was David Lena. They become David Lena's, David's. And God begins to use their life. 
You know, some people want to live within the sound of chapel bells. Steve Camp said, but I want to run a mission a yard from the gates of hell. And with everyone you meet, you take them the gospel and share it well. Look around you as you hesitate, for another soul just fell. Let's run to the battle, you guys. Let's run to the battle. The eyes of the Lord scan to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for someone on behalf of whom he may show himself strong, whose hearts are loyal to him. You see, that's where we need to be, you guys, in our life. Real quick, let me share a few things with you guys uh, regarding this, because a lot of times it's hard to connect the dots. I want to share six things with you about this. One of the first few things... Or how can I make my faith stronger? You know, I think it was Luke 17, verse 5. The apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. How many of you would pray that today? Lord, increase my faith. And so one thing I want to encourage you in is to get on your face. To get on your face. To really begin to pray. We talked a little bit about that last week. Second thing is to get in the word. To get in the word. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Get on your face. Get in the word. The third thing is get out of your seat. Get out of your seat. You know, don't be a pew potato for too long. You get out, you step out, and you find out what ministry you're supposed to be serving in, what gifts God's given to you, and you exercise them diligently for God's glory. What will happen when you get crazy, when you begin to get radical as a Christian? Well, one thing is this. You're going to be misunderstood. This is the fourth thing you might want to write down. You're going to be misunderstood. People are going to think you're prideful. People are going to think you're weird. People are going to think you, your cheese slipped off your cracker. They're just going to think a lot of crazy things about you, whatever it might be. <gasps> you're not taking the secure route. No, I'm not. It's following the Lord. You know, and so people are going to misunderstand you. You can count on it. And I need to tell you this. Don't live to please men. God will test you in that area. Live to please God. Because if you live to please men, you will never be a David. Okay? So number one, you're going to be misunderstood. Number two, you're going to make mistakes. Okay? And I think for most of us here, that's the toughest one. I don't want to make any mistakes, though. I don't want to fall. What if I bump my nose? And what if I look like a fool? And God says, well, you are a fool. (laughs) Apart from me, and, and this is kind of cool. The cat's out of the bag now, you know. Everybody knows, Manny, that you know what? And, and I say this in all sincerity, that apart from Jesus Christ, I'm a loser. I know that. I know who I am apart from him. I'm a zero. I already know that. But if I don't take steps of faith because I'm afraid of making mistakes, then I won't make anything. And you're going to make mistakes. Paul the Apostle, in a second missionary journey, he tried to go north. The Spirit wouldn't permit him. He tried to go south. The Spirit wouldn't permit him. And so a lot of people would say, oh, Paul the Apostle, man, he doesn't even have a prayer life. He doesn't know the spiritual geography of his life. But God was just testing him. And so he's knocking on that door. He tried to, and it just didn't work. And he knocked on this door. And he tried to, some might say, oh, he's making mistakes. He's making mistakes. No. So he says, I'm just going to keep going. And as he kept going, the Lord opened the doors and he brought the gospel to Europe. See, 
You're going to make mistakes. If I make a mistake, please still love me. I will make a, an agreement. If you make mistakes, I'll still love you. I'm not talking about blatant, presumptuous, cross-the-line sin. I'm talking about honestly trying to follow God. And the third thing is this. After the misunderstanding and after the mistakes, there will be ministry. Where divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And that's what it's all about, you guys. That God would strengthen us in this and that he would do a great work in our life. I'll close with this story. I'm sure a lot of you have heard this before, but every time I read it, it reminds me, you know, so much of how this all works. There was a man who was walking along a narrow path and he wasn't paying much attention to where he was going. And suddenly he slipped over the edge of a cliff. As he fell... He grabbed a branch that was growing from the side of the cliff and realizing that he couldn't hang on for long, he began to call for help. If you can visualize him there, help, help. He looks down to his death. He says, help, help. And so as he's crying out, is anybody up there? He hears a voice. Yes, I'm here. And so the man says, well, who is that? And the voice says, it's the Lord. (laughs) I'm here to help you. And the man said, oh, great, great. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And so the voice said, do you trust me? And I think God is saying that today. Do do you trust me? And the man said, well, of course I trust you. I'm a good theologian. I, I trust you. And so the Lord said, then let go. Let go. The Lord said, yeah, let go. And so the man said, after a long pause, is anyone else up there? (laughs) (laughs) And God will test our trust. Do you really trust him? You're going to be vulnerable. You're going to be... In a, in a spiritual sense, not reckless, but, but risky. That's how faith works. But it's the only way that we can access the power of God in our life. For some of you here today, there is a big decision that you need to make to let go and to fully and completely yield your life to Jesus Christ. I pray that today we all would do that in a fresh way. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you so much for who you are. And it all goes back to who you are. Lord, it all goes back to who you are. The loving God, the living God, the God who is bigger than I can even begin to understand. And that same God who is bigger than I can even begin to understand. You're the one that's calling me to trust you, Lord. And so I pray that today, every heart here, every life here, would in a fresh way begin to have that life of faith. To think bigger, to believe better, and and to act braver. And today, as a congregation, this is what we're going to ask you, Lord. Father, would you show us the giants? 
Would you show us the giants in our life that you want us to slay by your strength? Or giants within us, giants of pride, giants of fear, giants around us, maybe in relations or ambitions or distractions, possessions. Lord, I ask that you would do a new work and that you would raise up David's, that you would raise up Mary's, that you would raise up a ministry that really believes in you, Lord. We do love you, Lord. We do thank you. And Father, I pray just in case if there are any here today who maybe they've backslidden or they don't know you, that right now you would touch their hearts. And just in case you're here today and maybe you don't know the Lord or maybe you've drifted away from God, and what we always want to cast out the net, just in case. And maybe today, God is calling you to believe in him again. And if that's you, if you want to say to God today, I believe in you. I know who I am. I'm a sinner. And I need you, Lord. And right where you're at, just raise your hand. Real simple. And we want to pray for you. Anyone here today? Thank you, Lord, for the hand that's gone up. You see, Lord, those hands. I pray, Lord, you would honor those decisions. Anyone else? You know, this is what life is all about. I mean, it's cool. You can have fun and you can have friends and you can do the things that you're doing. But this is what it's all about. It's about him. And it doesn't matter if you've been to church a million times. You got to take that step of faith and reach out. Anyone else here? Thank you so much, Lord, for the hand that has gone out. We bless those hands, Father God, those hearts, Lord. Do that work, Lord. Anyone else? If you take that step, then God will meet you there. God will meet you there. Not a person, not a pastor. God will meet you there. Anyone else? Lord, we just thank you for those hands that did go up, Father. And I do pray, Lord, for them. I pray that it would be seen by you as them reaching up towards you. And that you would just take them by the hands and hold them so tight to you and that you would do a new work in every heart and every life, Father God. We do love you, Lord. We pray that you raise up a New Testament church, Father, that believes in you. We pray for Francis Chan. We know he's going through a lot of persecution, Father, because he's making a stand for righteousness, Lord God. And so you strengthen your servants of the Lord today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you for the work you're doing in our hearts. We pray together this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.